Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, District President of the Minnesota North District in Brainerd, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season this Tuesday, July the 5th. I hope everyone had a wonderful Independence Day weekend as we celebrated our independence as a country, but also as Christians, we don't celebrate our independence from the Lord. It is a time where we celebrate that we are dependent, that we are followers of the one Lord Jesus Christ, and that we lean on him instead of ourselves. One of the great realities of the Christian faith, because He's a pretty good guy to follow. He's a pretty good guy to depend on and a great guy to lean on. And we learn more about that today as the light of Jesus shines on us from Genesis chapter 26. It is full of promise. Now this promise extends to Isaac, but the promise does not mean there is no sin. Actually, in many ways, we say like father, like son, as we read today's text. But also, as we know, it's not just about Isaac. It's not just about Abraham. It's not just about Esau or, or Jacob or others. It is about Jesus. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back regular guest, Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kai V. Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri. Pastor Parviz, happy Pentecost, Pentecost and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Good morning. How are you? It's good to good to hear your voice again. Tell me what's going on for you and the the saints at Kaibi Shalom. Well, we're just in our summer outreach. I'm I'm planning an outreach out in Newport, Rhode Island, here in the next couple of weeks, and we've, oh we're doing a couple of things here in St. Louis as well. Did I just hear that you were elected president of your district? I was. Yes, that was in May. Yes, sir. How in the world did you let that happen? <laughs> Well, Lord, have mercy is the, the common line I say every day. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Amen. Yeah. Well, <laughs> mazel tov, I guess. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say this. They'll say congratulations and then without even taking a breath and condolences. Yeah. <laughs> well, each day, as you know, Pastor, is, is, is a gift from our Lord, and that's how we take it, and that's how... Um, I will live and and pray the Lord would guide us. So, yes, um, thank you for that. You bet. Pastor, so tell us a little, a little bit more about you go out to Rhode Island because we've talked before that you've gone to, you, you know, you're connected with ministry, for example, Northfield. But tell us, when you go out to Rhode Island, what are the, the kinds of uh, mission outreach that you do? Well, one of the things I've been trying to do over many years is try to get, there's three Lutheran churches in the state of Rhode Island, I think all in the New England district. And I've been working with one particular congregation there, but I'm trying to get the other two as well. Although the downtown Providence uh, Church has a strong ministry to the Liberian community there, so that's a real blessing. But, you know, Newport, Rhode Island is historically the first Jewish settlement in the United States. Uh, Toro Synagogue was hmm. is the first synagogue that's right there in Newport, and it was it was uh, founded by the uh, basically the Jews who came out the, whose descendants were were kicked out of Spain and they moved to the Caribbean during the Spanish Inquisition, and then uh, in 1649 they emigrated into the Newport Rhode Island area and began this first first uh, synagogue. 
And there's a nice park right there, and it's just a stone's throw from the synagogue. And, and there's just no, no Jewish outreach in this historic community. And so that's one of the things I've been trying to get going uh, for the last several years. And so this year we're planning uh, public outreach in the park there during uh, during the week when it's so busy. Uh, during, and Newport has always got so much good walking traffic. So that's that's our hope is to just sort of raise some awareness both in the district, the state, and hopefully provoke a few of the Jewish people that we might meet to uh, consider the promises of Yeshua. Well, and that's a good reminder for us that, uh, you know, just because it, there's been a Jewish community there since the 1600s, it does not mean that the gospel is not relevant or the gospel does not work or the Holy Spirit's not at work. So we pray for uh, we pray for you and pray for the ministry that happens there, obviously around St. Louis and around the world, that they may uh, believe and trust in Christ. So, uh, Pastor, with that in mind, uh, one, could you uh, start our time in prayer, but include your ministry in Newport and in, in, in your prayers this morning? Sure, thank you. Abba Father, thank you for this new day and uh, for wherever we are in the world who's listening to this, whatever weather we're getting, Father, we thank you for it. We know that all those things are gifts of you, although we do live in a broken world and sometimes the weather seems awfully harsh. Uh, but, Lord, we thank you that you preserve us and continue to give us your promise. And we pray, Lord, that by your word today that we would hear it and your Holy Spirit would help us understand it. And that your Holy Spirit would continue to move and, mo- and motivate us to share your gospel with uh, all people and especially with Jewish people. We pray for the outreach that's being planned in Newport. And we pray, Father, that your saints would respond and that we would have a good uh, showing out there, and that, uh, Lord, you would prepare the hearts for those uh, for whom the gospel is being sown, that they too might believe in Jesus. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach, in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today, which is Genesis chapter 26, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call on this live study, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Now, Pastor, we are in Genesis chapter 26, and we're going to go through it piece by piece, or a few, a few verses at a time, or sections at a time. So we're not going to read all of it, but how do you want to start us off? Because this, you know, Abraham is no longer with us. Uh, we've heard of Esau and Jacob. We've <laughs> we've seen that moment where he sells the birthright. We haven't got to the other really exciting stories for Jacob and Esau quite yet. But the promise is there. So, so Pastor, how do you want to start us off as we begin chapter twenty-six? Well, I'm always amazed, that, and you said it in your intro, uh, like father, like son. Um, it always amazes me because I grew up just revering our patriarchy, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All three of them are scoundrels. Right. And, um, and it is, it is and, you know, that was never mentioned to me as a Jew, but uh, certainly we've read the scriptures, and, and I don't know how, but you just you gloss over those things. But in reality, when we look at the struggle between sin and, and, and the world and, and between flesh and, and spirit, uh, we know that Isaac is uh, as a child of God. He has the blessing of God, and yet here we catch him at, at you know at least one very weak moment. And it doesn't seem like there's any repentance or forgiveness either. So that always surprises me. Although he gets a lot of tourists in his life, and that's what's going to happen. Well, good. I mean, it, it is it is something. Well, one, if if we were to look at Abraham on his actions. 
there's some moments that we could easily, you know, see him as that patriarchal person that we want to follow. But if you were to base it only on that, then you got you got a number of issues uh, in Genesis, no doubt about it. And not only once, but twice, similar to what will happen today. And yeah. but that's why we keep going back to Hebrews when it speaks about Abraham, and what it always highlights is his faith that it was counted to him as righteousness. And that's a right. key component that I've seen throughout. Any thoughts on that as we look at the patriarchs and, and the, the idea of, the, not the idea, the reality of faith and righteousness and what that looks like for well, us? I, you know, I think the reality for us is that we all know that we all have these weak moments. Uh, and we all, you know, all of us sin and we all come to our knees before the cross and, and pray for forgiveness. And the reality is that gift of faith that God has given us, as well as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, it, it overwhelms even our fleshly sin. Uh, and, you know, of course, the scriptures are not intended as a motion picture. They're really little bits and pieces of pictures. We don't know how Isaac and God spoke to, to each other through these things, but uh, we do have faith that the reality is that because of our faith, uh, we are saved, and we are also in that hall of heroes in Hebrews 11, even though our names are not written. Well, and, and that's where it comes down to, faith on account of Christ, as we look at right. their text today. So, Pastor, are you are you ready to start digging in? Sure. All right, let's do this. A reminder to our listeners, we are reading Genesis chapter 26, and uh, we're reading from the English Standard Version. We'll begin with the first five verses. Now, there was a famine in the land beside the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord Yahweh appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So there's another, there's another, there's another famine um, as there was before, and the Lord gives a promise to Isaac. How do you want to start us off? Well, that's, I mean, it's, it's the continuation of the promise to Abraham, and I think that for us, the continue, uh, the, we have to continue to mark that in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So this is not just for the Hebrew people whom whom God has chosen to be his priests for the world, but it's for all the nations that will come come around, and including including those those of us who are not part of that historic people because of our faith in Christ Jesus. And I have to take everybody always to Paul in Romans 11 uh, and, and remind us that there is this one root, one tree, but yet all the wild olive branches are, 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 are grafted in and receive all the blessings and the promises that God gave to Abraham and Isaac. So that, that promise is for us. I'm always amazed, though, how God, I mean, you know, when, because of our faith, because, of, you know, in this particular case, their faith in the promises of God that are, that are spoken to them and coming, you know, people often ask, and Romans or Hebrews 11 is a, 
a great text to look at. How were the Jews saved before Jesus? Because mm-hmm. of their faith in God's promise that was coming in Jesus. And, uh, and yet, you know, God says here to Isaac, uh, Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. He didn't perfectly, just like we don't perfectly. Uh, but his, the God accounted, because of his faith, him righteousness, mm-hmm. which, which righteousness is the definition of obeying my voice, keeping my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So this is something that when we, and this is important for all of us to understand, is when we do a, quote, good work, when it's done in faith, it's done, you know, there's, there's righteousness there. But when we, when we speak about it apart from faith, then it is, it's just like filthy rags. I mean, it's a good work in the sense of someone got helped, but it does no good for our salvation. But when we do it in faith, which is a gift from God, an account of Christ, faith in Christ, that that's where the righteousness comes in. So it's clearly not telling us, and I want you to we'll make sure that we get this very clear this morning, Pastor, is that we're not saying that Abraham's, all of his works, had these pure intentions and everything he did was perfect because we, we already heard about this and it extended to his son. Um, but since it was done in faith, there's righteousness because it was um, done on account of Jesus and what he, the, the Messiah that was still yet to come for them and the promise that was there. And, and any, make sure that we're on the same page on that. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, and, and this last verse in verse five sort of reminds me that, that God does indeed, because of faith as a gift from him, separate us, our, our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Uh, he doesn't account Abraham's sins against him. Uh, and, and that's, you know, I, I think we should take comfort in that, knowing that, uh, yeah, we don't always live in, in the ways in which uh, we, you know, the Holy Spirit informs our, our, our spirit that we are not always living and, and prompts us to repentance. And, and then we, because of even this verse 5, we should be confident that in repentance and forgiveness, God doesn't see those things. So why should we? I always run into mm, mm-hmm. so many people who believe that their sin is more powerful than than God's grace. And they essentially you know they have this 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 thing that plagues them in their spirit, you know, something that they've done that they just can't forgive themselves for even though they have given it up to God and and it it becomes an idol for us and we need to take counsel in this especially this verse five, that our sins are not counted against us because of our faith in Christ. I want to highlight one thing, because when you work with young people, and I would say in, in, in natural culture, if people start to think about faith and think about Christianity, they start to wonder, they start to wonder, well, wait a second here. Um, we have the Old Testament no Jesus. I mean, this. I'm thinking. Um, this is that's not a quote as far as what I believe. I'm just saying, as somebody who is maybe in the culture or a young person, yeah. they say, "Well, there's, there's no Jesus." So okay, so okay, you believe in Jesus. That's what's going on today. But what about those before Jesus? How do what happens with them? This is a simple question that young people ask. And I think majority, many, many people in our culture would ask if they just thought through it a little bit. And what would you tell them? You would say, and you alluded to this, you did talk about it, but I want to make sure we're also very clear in this. Someone says, oh, well, 
if I read the Old Testament, I almost think I have to become Jewish. But why is that not the case as we read the whole Bible? What would you tell them? No, it's not about becoming Jewish. It's simply about about recognizing God's hand over all all nations, and mm. and receiving the promise of his of his Son, which for them in the Old Testament is coming, and for us on this side of the hinge of history has happened. And so, you know, that, that's what's so, um, I guess good about about Hebrews 11 is it assures us, and not to mention that, but also the Mount of Transfiguration. Right. It assures us that the saints of old are with God, uh, as are the saints that go before us now. So faith in the same person or same God uh, for the Old Testament, starting in Genesis 3, uh, which points us to the Messiah. We've seen the Messiah that has come, and we wait for the Messiah that is still coming back, which is why yeah. I loved serving my, my congregate, the congregation in Sartell because our name was Messiah Lutheran Church. It just it connected all the Bible into one, which is what I loved when I was able to tell people about our congregation. So anyways, a, a little grief there, but we're, we're moving forward. Pastor, anything else in those first five verses? Nope. I, I, right. I was wondering, though, does your position with the district uh, mean that you're no longer a pastor there? I am not. Yes, I. my last, last Sunday was June 12th, which just a reminder for you, our listeners, too, that that's that's hard. I'm still, you know, I, I'm I'm happy where I'm at. I'm glad that God has has put me in this place. But boy, the beloved saints at Messiah, uh, pray for them. They're you know they're moving on. They're they're God's people. They trust the Lord. But also, it's very difficult when you do leave the yeah. parish and uh, and 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 do this. So yeah, that that's the situation. Which is why I love the name Messiah. It's not about me. It was never named Brady Lutheran Church, right? <laughs> It was right. always Messiah Lutheran Church. So, yes. Um, yeah. Anything else, Pastor, before we move on to verse 6 through 10 or nope. 11? Okay. Let's move on. Uh, verse 6. So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister. <laughs> For he feared to say my wife, thinking, lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of the window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Well, Pastor, this is, you know, this is kind of a, a repeat story, right? Just a, a re rewind and repeat situation. So break this down for us. And is it any different than the previous ones with Abraham? I mean, I don't see a whole lot of distinction. You know, both of them were fearful of their own life, so they put their wives in danger, and and mm. uh, that's kind of that's kind of a, a really annoying thing. But mm. um, uh, I mean, because if if they did, and and Abimelech says so, we you know what was to keep any of my men from laying with your sister, and then she was your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. 
So he's really jeopardizing his wife for the sake of his own life. And that, you know, that's part of the scoundrel nature of these three patriarchs. They all kind of do the same thing. Um, they're, they're thinking about themselves. And that's, you know, of course, the, the, first, the first sin in the fall. That was the whole, Eve's whole thing. She was thinking about herself. She wanted to be like God. And so um, that's something that we always have to be aware of, that Christ's, Christ's nature is sacrificial. And, uh, and to, to, to speak his word for us can also be sacrificial. I think sometimes we perhaps not lie by, by commission, but perhaps sometimes by omission, when we fear to tell the gospel because we're afraid of getting some kind of retribution or just, you know, feedback that we don't want. And so we, we keep our faith quiet and we just go about, and I, I don't know if that's any worse. That's, yeah, I, I tell you what, this, this morning in, in devotions uh, here in our office, we, we, we just went through the first commandment in the small catechism, obviously the Bible as well. And it just says those words, fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And this is a true testament of that because he literally says, um, they might kill me if because of Rebecca, because she's attractive, which, you know, God doesn't say, oh, by the way, uh, you're going to trust me or not. Uh, you, you should lie when your wife is attractive. He doesn't have like this asterisk in there. That's <laughs> so lie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so it's it's just fascinating to realize that. And, and for us in our own world is what are the things and this is something for you, our listeners, to always, always think about. And for me and Pastor Parviz as well is, OK, what do I trust above God? And, and how am I like Isaac in these situations? I might not be telling everyone that my wife is my sister. Um, when I when I go traveling to Europe or something, but it is something that there's other parts of my life where I don't fully trust in his word and say, well, he did say that, but I don't know if God will actually take care of me in this situation. Pastor, any thoughts on that for our listeners today? Well, and I do think that, you know, especially in today's, um, I mean, fraught with, with emotion situation where we get into conversations with people, we, we just have to trust God and boldly proclaim his word. We're in the season of Pentecost. We're getting all these uh, readings about being his witness to the nations. We already have the promise here that Isaac is going to be a blessing to all nations. Part of that is us as descendants of Isaac and Abraham through Christ are going to bless the nations by proclaiming God's word. And we should do so without fear uh, yes, we have to be sensitive. We have to we have to put some thought into it and not just repent or go to hell. Uh, but the reality is, when we fear telling the story of our own life and our faith in Christ to others because we don't want their rejection, what are we trusting in then? Mm-hmm. That's why and, the first the commandment. Real, go ahead. Yeah, and the really weird thing is that in the next very verse, and, of course, we don't know what happens between 11 and 12, between Isaac and God, but God continues to bless Isaac. And that's, and that's a good reminder for us. This goes back to that faith that we're talking about with Abraham, that on account of faith, we are counted righteous only, you know, by our repentance. And it says right there, I mean, Abimelech, God worked through Abimelech and said, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. 
God is clearly at work. And then, as that's a good segue there, Pastor, um, verses 12 through 16. Let's continue on. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in that same year a hundredfold. The Lord Yahweh blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possession of flocks and herds and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Then, then, you know, that's an interesting point that you made here, Pastor, is we see Isaac's sin, his lie, and then all of a sudden, verses 12 through 16, it doesn't seem to really affect anything because he's greatly blessed. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I just I suspect something happened between Isaac and God between eleven and twelve. <laughs> I would think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Because <laughs> God is pretty consistent throughout the scriptures, so we we can't just say, "Hey, sin boldly," because you know grace is cheap. Uh, we 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 know something happened between Isaac and and God here, in between eleven and twelve. There's and so, what do you th- what do you think might have happened, Pastor? I'm I'm. Assuming that Isaac would have, by you know, the God's God's spirit would have driven Isaac to say, "Oh Lord, forgive me. Why would I have said that?" And uh, and and the Lord says, "I forgive you. Just go and sin no more." You know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, but I mean, he's not just he's not just blessed. I mean, he is beyond blessed. And how do we make sure that we read that? appropriately because we could look at that and say well if you just repent and receive forgiveness which we're guessing in this situation that god will bless me the same way and i'll be the envy of everybody else is that is that what god is saying here or what what's happening uh that's the health health wealth and prosperity movement <laughs> i don't think that that we can handle i i think Isaac's blessing and his great abundance of things that makes him even greater than Abimelech is part of the promise that God gave to Isaac that he would be a blessing to many nations. We're going to see, you know, Abimelech right now and the Philistines are envious and perhaps a little fearful, but we're going to see a growing faith in Abimelech as we go through this chapter. Uh, Now, you know, it's a faith that is probably incomplete, of course, but we see that Abimelech, because of Isaac, is going to uh, recognize God's blessing upon Isaac. And so as we look at that, um, there's, there's probably more, <laughs> there's more to be said, especially this last verse where Abimelech's like, ah, yeah, you better leave. You're, you're too powerful for us. But right now we need to take our break. We are studying Genesis chapter 26 with Pastor Kevin Parviz, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. 
but they need our help because Good Lutheran Books for Kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We are studying Genesis chapter 26 with Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kai V. Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, Pastor, I thought this section ended uniquely in verse 16, where it's clear that he has more possessions than he ever could need, obviously more than the Philistines, uh, flocks, herds, servants, all of this on the cusp of a famine. And at the end, Abimelech's like, you know, just get out of here because you're mightier than we why would he do that? You think they would like this prosperity in the land and to have a guy that was prosperous that probably got along with him pretty well. Any thoughts? Well, I mean, as the leader of a people who are envious, he's, he's fearful of, of the impact that Isaac in their midst would have on his own people, I think. Uh, it says up, up in 14 that the Philistines envied him. And no, no leader wants that situation. And then on top of that, um, he, I'm sure, has fear for his own throne. You know, I, I feel a little embarrassed that I didn't know but by, until now that you were ascended to the throne there in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> but apparently I don't listen to the show as closely as I should. Oh but, um, but, you know, Abimelech is concerned for his own throne as well. And... In addition, I think he's getting a growing understanding of who God is. And, you know, there is probably, because there's a strong oral tradition, and, you know, as you look from the Exodus out, you know that as the people were moving closer and closer into the Promised Land, the word was going before them that this nation was coming. We need to be prepared. This is land that God has given to them. And Abimelech probably knows that as well. Yeah, there, there had to have been a lot of political realities to all of this. And like you said, there's like, hmm, what, what will this mean if he has all this wealth and he's not from here? Um, what's going to happen? What's going to happen here? And all of us have that intimidation factor, right? When somebody is stronger or whatever it might be than us, yeah. we might become intimidated. So, yeah. And we've heard these rumors about his God, right? This Yes, absolutely, that this God has done more than we want to even deal with at this stage. And it, it just reminds me of other times. For example, when Jesus uh, throws out the demons that go into the pigs and then go into the water, right? That there's that certain amount they're like, ooh, we're kind of, that guy, we don't want that guy here because that's just so much power. Um, and, and it's the same kind of dynamic there. Any thoughts on that connection? I just thought of that one. Well, I, I always find that interesting because I think the pig farmers got a bad deal there. <laughs> and the town was probably pretty ticked that they lost their pig herd. But, uh, yeah, it's always amazing when, when God's, and I think we have to recognize that, when God's power is made manifest, the, the servants of Satan, and let's be honest, that's who, they, that's who the, the, what the world is, they are very uncomfortable in the presence of the power of God. Because Satan knows that the power of God, and he desires it for himself, but he will never have it, and he is defeated. 
So well, anything else, Bass? Just having come through in the, in the, you know, all of the stuff that's going on now with the overturning of Roe v. Wade and, and Pride Month that just passed and all the stuff that's in the culture, um, I, I, think it, I think it's it's a mistake for us to not understand that God's power is made manifest in the culture, and they're fearful of it, and, and we just need to continue proclaiming and not worry about our own place within all of this milieu that we see is so sinful. And that goes back to the first commandment once again, is that if we preach and teach the truth, and we don't need to go crazy by any means, we do have to preach the truth, we, we need to trust in God that he's going to work through that as opposed to thinking, well, is this really culturally relevant? Is this going to, is this going to connect yeah. with people? And obviously we have to work hard to work on relationships. I'm not saying that, but I, I, I do find myself, you, you become overwhelmed by fear of saying, okay, with something like pride month, can I still proclaim the truth of God's word? Can I still be a, a strong Orthodox Christian person in this situation. And the reality is, yes, if you believe that we have a mighty Lord, a mighty fortress, then yes, you can. And we can have a clear conscience as we do it. And, and we live in the same, in the same promise that Isaac has, because we have God's mm. promise. His word is very clear. It not only directs us to action, but it says, don't worry about the results. That's up to me. You have my promise that you will be blessed. And, and uh, I think we do get a little too, either we get laissez-faire with our faith or we get too worried about what the culture is going to say. I, I think sometimes we also get bullied into silence because we don't want to be on PC or whatever the issue is. And, you know, somebody told me the other day that I was born to trigger and, you know, in, in some sense, I don't think that's necessarily positive, but the reality is that's what we need to do in a, in a, in a sensitive way. We need to trigger people's uh, the way that they are living and help them to understand that if we love them and we want to be a blessing to many nations, we need to tell truth. And that's what we're called to do. So, Pastor, as we look at the truth of this chapter, verses 1 through 16, anything else you want to highlight before we hear the rest of the story? I think we're running out of time. All right, let's keep going here. Verse 17. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there was a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Isaac, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also. So they called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called the name Rehoboth, saying, For now the Lord Yahweh has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Well, there's a, well, it's kind of like when there's two or three are gathered, there is conflict. That kind of seems to be happening yeah. here, Pastor. <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> but what I find interesting about this section of Scripture is that Isaac is this powerful, you know, he's so powerful, Abimelech asked him to leave his land. 
they could handle these herdsmen. But mm. instead, they've done, they've, they've done what Jesus will do, which is to say, if they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. Say, even though, even though the, the, the kingdom of God is here, move on. And that's kind of what Isaac is doing. He's not being confrontive. He's just doing, okay, here's the well. This is contention. This is enmity. We're moving on. And now he finds a place where there is none. He says, now the Lord has made a place for us here. So he's found the place where the town that the 72 go into, their peace is rested upon. And it, it is interesting because you do have that call in Matthew chapter 10 when it says, you know, shake off the dust of your feet when you depart from that house or that city when they do not, you know, they do not want to have peace. And it's very much so that reality here, too, I would say, wouldn't you think? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I, that's what I see as the, as the, the gospel connection here. Sometimes the gospel is not going to be received. God's people are not going to be received. It's not for us to get militant about it. We just shake the dust off our feet, say even though even now the kingdom of God is near, and move on. Well, and, and that's and it's interesting to me for us to remember that because we tend to have thin skin, you know, where uh, well that person doesn't accept me, um, and I that words can be used kind of flippantly in today's world, but they don't want to hear the gospel. And so the Lord reminds us to kind of shake off our feet and, and move on, you know, to, to be able to just keep preaching. We see Paul do this. We see it here even that, okay, th this is not the place that God would have me now. Now, we have to be careful with that, too, because we don't want to act like, well, if there's any controversy, then you just move on move as on. opposed to being the body of Christ. So any thoughts on that, Pastor? Well, I have, I have a lot of Jewish people who I've been witnessing to for probably 20 years. And people always say to me, why don't you just shake the dust off your sandals and move on? Right. And, you know, my feeling is the, the proclamation of the gospel is not easy, and it's not something that we should take lightly. And yet also we continue to till the field. But, if you know, when those people say to me, I want, not, I want to never hear about this again from you, at that point, I will leave. But as long as they give me, they, they put up with me and still reject, I will continue to share. Uh, and I think that's the key, is, is when people say, like, like the herdsmen here are saying, hey, no, this water's ours. Well, that's a rejection of Isaac and his, and his nation. Uh, they said, we don't want you here. This is ours. If somebody who you're witnessing to says to you, you know, I'm sick and tired of hearing about this Jesus from you. I never want to hear from him again. Then by all means, take that as the opportunity to say, nevertheless, the kingdom of God is near and move on. But until they actually get to that point, keep, keep tilling, keep moving the rocks. And that's our encouragement as well. The Lord of all creation, the one who has redeemed and died for the world, shed his blood for you is indeed with you. So, it's probably good to trust in him. It's amazing how all of this comes back to the first commandment. Let's keep moving forward here as we look at our time. Verse 23. From there he went up to Beersheba. And the Lord Yahweh appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord Yahweh and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. 
Well, the once again, the Lord comes to his people. Pastor, what else do you have here? And, and what's wonderful about this particular section is yeah, Isaac, as a human being, has to be getting a little discouraged. Right. Uh, and yet God comes to him and, and re- reiterates the promise. And that's what happens to us. Every Sunday when we come and hear the gospel and we, we receive the Lord's Supper, we, we witness the baptism of God's people. You know, every Sunday is an opportunity for us to come before the Lord and the Lord to say to us, I know you're tired, it's been a hard week, but I am with you. Keep it going. And so Isaac, and I, I love Beersheba. It's a beautiful area, and the altar he built is still there. There's a four-horned altar that archaeologists have uncovered. Um, mm. um, yeah, it's just, it's a, uh, it's a great reminder that no matter what we have to go through, and, and Isaac's Soros is not over yet. His aggravation is still coming. But, but for this moment, he gets a place of peace, and he gets God's hand to say, I'm with you. Just be, be faithful, trust, all the things we've been talking about. And so we look at this, it is a few things that is very striking. One, the Lord comes to his people. Like you said, the Lord comes to us with his gifts. He, he comes and his first words are, fear not, which is a common theme throughout the scriptures. And why, you know, when the Lord comes and the sends his angels to come to us too, their first words are, fear not. And why would he keep doing that? Well, number one, the presence of the Lord is a fearful thing. There's a reason why our catechism says fear and, and love, right? Uh, it's not a fear of, you know, it's not like a horror movie, but it is when we're in the presence of God's magnificence, we would naturally fear. But God says fear not because he says, you have nothing to fear for me. I, you know, that's, that's the hard part is that people who are not of faith, who come into the presence of God, they can't fear not. Uh, and so, but we who have God's promise and who have God's blessing don't need to fear. Uh, we will because we should, because he is far outside of our understanding, but he always tells us, I am with you. Don't worry about it. And then it ends that he built an altar, which I, I tell you what, there's there's many times throughout this, like for in the Old Testament, as I've been studying this, I would love to see the Oaks of Mamre, you know, yeah. that even even if it's a traditional spot, I would just I would just love to just be there and, and read that story again when when the Lord and the two angels comes and visit Abraham and Sarah and they feed him. And this is another example of that where just think about going to Beersheba and seeing this altar. Have you been there? Yes. Wow. Okay. Um. And you come with us in January. Oh, <laughs> we're doing another tour in Israel in January. Is That's that my right? Plug. Okay. There's yeah. your plug. There it is. Yeah. To and this is the beauty too. I was I was listening to a few podcasts recently, and one of the strengths and the power that we have um, that the the gifts that the Lord has given to us is that He worked in real time with real people in history. 
that we can say this is where Jesus was in Jerusalem, that here Isaac was in Beersheba, um, Abraham was you know, on the, the mount the Lord will provide. Those are real places in real time in this world that were not just made up out of nowhere, but God worked with his people at that time that we, not a foundation of our faith, but we're able to trust like, wow, this is the place that the Lord worked. And there's a real strength in that. So, Pastor, tell us about that. Why is that important that we know that, that this is a real place that God worked in real time in history and why that's important for us, especially when you go to Israel and, and see those places? I mean, it's a, it is amazing to literally walk on paving stones that Jesus probably walked on. I mean, these paving stones are well past 2,000 years old. Um, and and Jesus walked these very ro- these very roads in this very t- place in the old city, especially. And when you do that, there's a connection to the context. You know, we I think one of the struggles that our ministry has is that it ha- is that the church today has very little connection to its original Jewish roots and its context. And so that's what's so wonderful about seeing that there is a place and a people that God worked through and blessed, and and we are their descendants. And that's what's so important about Romans chapter 11. And when so you go there and see those little scrubby wild olive trees, it's kind of it's kind of fun to look at them and see how you know they took he took. He took those little things and made that and grafted into that. It's, it's, I love to see the scriptures come to life uh, in the context of, the, of Israel. Well, if you want to go see Israel, you know the guy to talk to. So, Pastor, we have about 10 minutes left in our time. How about we finish up, our, uh, finish up the readings and we'll finish up our time in the study? Verse 26. Yeah, you could skip 34 because that's just I could skip. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's a, that's a whole other dynamic, is it not? Yes. Verse 26. <laughs> when, when Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahuza, his advisor, and Fecal, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, so that you hate me and have sent me away from you? And they said, We see plainly that the Lord Yahweh has been with you. So he said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm. Just as we have not touched you, have not done to you, done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. So you are now the blessed of the Lord Yahweh. So we made them a feast and they ate and drank. In the, mean, in the morning, they rose and early exchanged oaths and Isaac sent them on their way and they departed from him in peace. That same day, Isaac's servants came and told him, what about the well that they had dug and said to him, we have found water. He called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beere, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Yeah, well, what Pastor, an interesting two-verse <laughs> insert. <laughs> I think it really is. So we'll skip that part for now. We'll get to it, and that will set us up for the next chapter, clearly. But you have, you know, Abimelech reappears. Um, his commander, his advisor, they show up again, and you're like, what? Why are they here? Why did they show up? Well, I think I think that the really interesting part of this particular scripture is that 
and you know, and and is that when they come to Isaac, they don't say we see plainly that your God has been with you. They say Yahweh. They have they have uh, they have come to know who Yahweh is, and and so they, on one hand, again, I think that there is this kind of political rumor mill going on about the Israelites' God. Uh, it's been going on since the Exodus. But in addition to that, since the Exodus, the Exodus hasn't happened. It's been going on. It, it went on in the Exodus, and it's been going on here uh, because of Abraham. Um, and in addition to that, um, I, th- I think they're coming to an understanding of the reality that the Israelites' God is not a regional God that moves with them, but it's also their God. I mean, he says and later, what? you are now blessed of Yahweh. Right. Um, and, and it just seems like there's this realization, because, you know, in the ancient Near Eastern world, the thinking is that all the gods are regional, and they move with their people, and each god has a different territory. And there suddenly becomes this realization that this, that this God of the Israelites is the one who is I am, right? And it really is fascinating, like you said that. It was, it was, it was a profession of faith because like you said that their gods didn't necessarily go with them, was a regional God, but they realized, and they must have had a major realization, that they went back to him uh-huh. and are saying, we want a covenant with you because— you know, you are blessed by the Lord Yahweh. They don't say God or your God. It's not like in our world we'll say like, well, that's your truth and this is my truth. I mean, they're very much so saying that that God is the truth, which is a fascinating reality. Once again, of God going beyond borders, God going beyond, you know, all ethnicity, um, people and dying once again and coming for the world. Other thoughts? Yeah, this is the fulfillment of the you will be a blessing to many nations. Now Isaac is being a blessing to Abimelech. Ah, yeah. So that promise received is the promise fulfilled, and it's going beyond the normal places. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Um, Isaac sent them on their way and departed from him in peace. That wonderful language that we'll see because he left— he left not in so peaceful, kind of like, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. Now they've reconciled, if you will. They've made a covenant with one another because of the covenant the Lord made with his people. And now they leave in peace. Before we get to this last verse, Pastor, what do you, any last thoughts you have on really the first 33 verses? I just think that it's a, it's a clear demonstration of, of the the reality of God's promise coming to pass that we experience every day in our Lord Jesus and in his death and resurrection. And that's what we have to hold on to in the face of a world that is, I mean, increasingly uh, uh, not understandable, right? Uh, so, So we hold on to his promise and continue to live the life of his people. And yes, we sin, we repent, we were forgiven, God removes that from us and continues to pour out his blessing upon us. So and then we get to verse, go ahead. 34, aggravation yeah. is still going to happen, right? <laughs> well, it's just like Isaac. Yeah, the moment's peace, they dig a well. <laughs> we found water and we call the name the Well of Oaths, the, uh, this wonderful city now that is now Beersheba. 
And we can't even rest in that piece because now we get this foretell. And so what we have is, much like when Isaac receives the promise, this great promise, then there's a famine, you know, just showing that there will be bitterness, yeah. there'll be problems, right? And then he instantly, he lies. I mean, he doesn't follow the will of God. Here, we have this great promise. There's peace in the land. People are believing in the Lord Yahweh. But then, darn it, cousin Esau is still around. Her son Esau is still that black sheep in the family, and he causes bitterness throughout his days. So, uh, what our pad a little bit here. Esau and the bitterness for Isaac and Rebekah. What are your first thoughts? I mean, family is family. What do you want? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, this this goes all obviously back to Jacob and Esau and all of the aggravation and and you know the the reality is that these things are you know we we have to continue to live in peace but sometimes our families are the place where peace is the least and mm. uh, I, I I talk with a lot of people especially Jewish believers who have no peace in their family. Uh, and the reality is what we have to rest on is the peace that Christ gives us. Uh, I think we can also make our families an idol. I have often wondered whether or not I have done that. Um, and, and we have to remember that it's Christ still and our family. You know, that's why Jesus says a man uh, will leave his family. Uh, sometimes we have to do that. And uh, our, our first, you know, again, it's first commandment stuff. Are we going to trust our familial relationships, are we going to trust God and then hope our familial relationships become secure in our faith in Christ? And it really, it brings us back once again to the first commandment. Uh, what is the you know, first commandment? You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. That even in a situation like this, where Esau is causing bitterness in the family, making life bitter. We all have that. First of all, I have to remind myself, how am I causing bitterness in my own family? You know, it's so easy for me to look at somebody else, but what about me? So I need to repent and, and be forgiven and, and to reconcile with my own family. At the same time, we have this just that reality that guess what? There's going to be bitterness. I mean, this is not a, I believe in Jesus, therefore there's not going to be any of that. And so, Pastor, as we get to our last minute here, how would you summarize it based on that, the realization of promise, bitterness, all those issues? How would you summarize our chapter today and encourage our listeners in Christ? I mean, my summary is always, amen, come Lord Jesus. Every day we recognize the bitterness in the world around us, and we know we have the victory, and I just pray that the Lord would return soon and take us home. But it's a mixed blessing because there's a lot of people who are going to be goats. And so pastor, as we look at this, uh, uh, any other last words? I, I love that. I love that ending, but I'm, I'm going to ask you again because you always have good things to say. What else? You have anything else? Well, I'll just say if anybody listening is in Frankenmuth in the next week, come by. Hi, I'll be speaking there at the L. David Mel Michigan uh, conference convention. And uh, we have a booth. I'd love to see you. All right. Stop by Bronner's Christmas store as well. Anyways, <laughs> Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kaivi Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 26. Pastor Parviz, it's always a joy. Thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thank you. Blessings to you, Mr. President. I'm your host. 
Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I'm your host, Brady Finner, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. It is a joy. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.